know how long now, but it's been good learning. And thanks, Josh, for teaching us. Uh, if you aren't already there, we're going to go to First Thessalonians. Uh, but I'll also get you to pick up Acts chapter 16 and just hold your place there for a second. But we will read first from First Thessalonians. Uh, somebody asked me how I was feeling tonight, and I said, well, I've already had two people say that they should have gone home when they saw I was preaching, so I feel pretty good. Um, wouldn't you? Uh, so First Thessalonians, uh, we'll read the first chapter here, so just the first 10 verses of the book, and then I'll pray and we'll have a look at some things here. So verse number one of chapter one, First Thessalonians, says this, Paul and Silvanus and Timotheus unto the church of the Thessalonians, which is in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labour of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God and our Father, knowing, brethren beloved, your election of God. For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost, and in much assurance, as ye know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. And ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction, with joy of the Holy Ghost, so that ye were in samples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. For from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to Godward is spread abroad. So that, we not need to, so that we need not to speak anything. For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. Amen. That's all we need to read there. and We'll just take a moment to pray and commit this to the Lord. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, we do thank you, uh, first and foremost, that you are God. And our Father, we acknowledge tonight that we are in desperate need of you at all times, Lord. And we thank you for your faithfulness to us. We thank you, Father, for your word that uh, shows us and reveals us of yourself. And Lord, also teaches us how we ought to live in this Christian life, Lord God. We thank you, Father, for investing in us and uh, for sending people our way, Lord, to encourage and comfort us. And Father, I just thank you for your provisions even this past week. And Lord, right now that we have the privilege to open your word and to, to read and to study and learn from your word tonight, I do ask that you would help me, Father. Please use me uh, to be a blessing to your people. Uh, Lord, I thank you for what you've shown me in these scriptures. And I pray that you would uh, help me to be used of your Holy Spirit to expound these things and uh, that you would be pleased with all that takes place tonight. So, Father, we thank you for who you are, and uh, we do ask these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, tonight, as Pastor mentioned, I want to take a look at uh, just the first chapter of First Thessalonians and visit a major theme of the whole book here. Uh, as we were studying this book, uh, we, was, we were looking for a major theme, and the one that I found in this whole book was a theme of comfort. And I just see it come out again and again uh, through many of the verses here. And so I want to look a little bit at, about, look a little bit at that tonight. And I uh, also want to ask you a question. Have you ever been close to or working with someone that was in need of comfort? Or perhaps you've been in a situation where you're the one who's in desperate need of comfort and you're looking for certain things and you're identifying this thing would really help me right now. Or somebody has comforted you and you've gone, ah, yes, that thing is what I needed right now. That was of the Lord. 
Um, and perhaps you've been in that, that situation and you're trying to help someone, maybe even a newer Christian, through difficult times because we all face them. Well, it doesn't matter where we are on the spectrum of Christianity or maturity, we all face times where we need comfort from other people. And I just want you to think about that as we look at these verses because I believe that what we see here and what Paul brings out in this letter to this church is really helpful when you are seeking to comfort somebody. So I pray this is a blessing. I know it's definitely been a blessing to me. Um, so to give a little bit of background of how this letter to the church of the Thessalonians came about, if you're in Acts 16, just flick over there and we'll just have a look here at a little bit of a background. And essentially, the establishment and ongoing ministry to this church of the Thessalonians really came all about by a sensitivity to the Holy Spirit, by Paul, as he was on his second missionary journey. Uh, he was journeying, journeying to different places, and you'll see here in Acts 16, we'll look at verse number 6 and just read down to verse number 10. Uh, so he's journeying around to different places. Verse 6 says, Now when they had gone throughout Phrygia and the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia, after they were come to Mysia, they essayed to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. And they, passing by Mysia, came down to Troas, and verse 9 says, And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavoured to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. Now Thessalonica was a place in Macedonia and the Lord, the Holy Spirit, had put upon Paul's heart that this is a place where you need to go now and you need to preach the gospel. And as I said before, everything that comes after this in that whole letter to the church of Thessalonica was really because he was sensitive to the Holy Spirit. So everything we see come out was because of his sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. Uh, if you just have a look quickly over in Acts 17, uh, we won't read the verses, but verses 1 to 4 is Paul and his team ministering and preaching in Thessalonica. And you'll see in verse 4... Uh, many people got saved, Greeks, a, mul a great multitude, and the chief women, not a few. So many people were getting saved as he was preaching and expounding the scriptures to them. And, uh, and then later on, this causes problems, verses 5 to 9. There's an uproar. People don't like that this is happening. And uh, basically, Paul and his team, are, uh, you know, they fled, fl flee away to Berea, uh, down in verse 13 to 15. And uh, then Paul is sent to Athens by the believers in Berea, and then he's also left uh, Timothy to go back to Thessalonica. So Paul, can't, Paul has established this church in Thessalonica. There's people get saved. And it's caused an uproar. He's, been, you know, he's fled off to another place uh, for his life, basically, and he's sent Timothy back to the church of Thessalonica to check how they're going, essentially. And if you look over in Acts 18, verses 1 to 5, uh, he's, Paul leaves Athens for Corinth and Timothy comes back with a report of how the church is doing. So what we see in 1 Thessalonians, if you just flick back there with me, is Paul's correspondence to the church after receiving Timothy's report of how they're going. So Paul's really wondering how is this newly, uh, newly saved group of believers, how are they going right now? So he's sent Paul to give him a report and, and uh, sorry, he sent Timothy to give him a report and he's come back, and then he sends this letter to the church of the Thessalonians. So I want to look at a few things here. And firstly, 
even in verse number one of First Thessalonians, we notice Paul reflects on the election of the church. Now, election, as always in the Bible, really is just talking of salvation. That's essentially what it's talking about, what God has chosen for those that put their trust in him. Uh, and really, this is what the people of this church did. They put their trust in him, just like you and I, if you're saved... Now you're one of God's elect and there's things that he's chosen for those who put their trust in him. So Paul reflects on their election. Paul reflects on when they you know, were not saved to now they are saved. And he's trying to encourage them and comfort them in this. Um, so first and foremost, we have to remember that this was a letter written to the church. See, we, in our day now, we look at this, we read this as scripture and we can you know, extract some doctrine from it and examples from it. But we need to put ourselves in the picture of we're, we're part of these believers and we're receiving a letter from the apostle, from the person who came and preached the gospel to us and he had to be taken away and not really left by ourselves but kind of hoping for you know, his input and his example to come back and now we get a letter from him. They'd be hanging on every word that this letter reveals to them. And... You know, think about it. Paul didn't have communication like we do nowadays where you could just pick up a phone and call someone or FaceTime or, you know, even just drop in after work and see how someone's going. Uh, this was his communication to them. So he had to express everything through what he wanted to tell them and, and what he wanted to comfort them with through the words on this page. And you also got to look at it from their point of view that all of the comfort and encouragement that they were going to receive was going to come from the words on that page, the, the scroll or however it was read out to them, however it was given to the church. So they were, they were waiting for this and they were anticipating this. And it was a big thing for them. It wasn't just like a, a text message, yeah, I can talk to them later about that thing. Everything Paul wanted them to know was written in these words. So it was very important, had a lot of impact on them. Um, so I think the Apostle Paul was aware of this. I think he understood that this would have meant a lot to them. So I think he chose his words. And we know that, this, that everything he wrote was inspired by the Holy Spirit, uh, inspired scripture, but I think he chose his words specifically knowing the situation that they were in, knowing everything that they had gone through and they were being persecuted for being different in their society. So he chose his words specifically. So when we read this verse number one even, just think of that in the back of your head that these words are very important. So just have a look in verse number one. The very first thing Paul does is confirm that as a church they're safe and secure and it says this, in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ. He says this is us writing to the church of the Thessalonians which is in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ. So he's really pointing out their position in Christ and saying you are part of the elect. You are part of God's children. Uh, you, are, you, are, you do belong with God. And, you know, we're part of this whole family together. So he's, he's bringing out their position in Christ. And, uh, and if you th it just reminded me of the verses when Jesus said in John 10, 28, 29, he says this, speaking of his sheep, he says, And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand, my Father, which gave them me, is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. And that just makes me think, you know, he didn't, he didn't, you know, reference what Jesus had said there, but we have that understanding that this is your assurance of salvation, that you're in Christ's hand, but you're also in God's hand, and no one can pluck you out of that. And even in just the first verse, he says, 
you guys, you, you, this church, you are in Christ and you are in God the Father. You have security in that, despite everything else that's going on. And no doubt that would have brought comfort to them. Now you think about when you're in a, a difficult situation and somebody says you have security in this, it's like, ah, oh, it just takes, takes a bit of weight off and takes a bit of pressure off. So even in the first verse, he's, he's bringing them comfort through this. And don't forget, this church was relatively young and sometimes one of the greatest uncertainties for new Christians is that assurance of salvation. Um, I've seen it particularly with our young people. Most of the times I've been able to talk with and counsel some of our young people, it's about that fact of assurance of salvation. So there's been a change in their life, but then just things happen. They may get a little bit discouraged through things, uh, circumstances, even just like this church would have faced. But then when you can show them the assurance of salvation, it just, it just brings comfort. It brings peace. And so Paul was trying to do that for the church here, mentioning their position in Christ. And going down further to verse number two, Paul shares with the church his continued investment in them. If you look here, it says this, We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers. Now, have you ever had someone that is, I guess, say, a more mature Christian or someone that you look up to in Christianity tell you that they're praying for you and how much weight that holds? Because you and I know what prayer involves. It's not just, you know, read something off a list and then, then it's done. You're actually investing your heart into it. You're investing yourself into another person and you're trying to get God to incline his ear to help somebody else. And you're taking time out of your schedule to, to give to another, so to speak. So you put all those things together and you realise that when someone says, I'm praying for you, that means a whole lot. That involves a whole lot. And for someone who, you know... I mean, you think about this church, the Apostle Paul, they would have been aware that he was an extremely busy person, would have been praying for a whole lot of other people. But for them to hear that the Apostle Paul was praying for them, that they were on his prayer list, I think that would have given them a lot of comfort in knowing that. In knowing that he didn't just come and preach the gospel to them and then forget about them. He continued to have them in his heart. And you see that, that Paul says that a couple of times in Scripture, that, that I have you in my heart because I'm praying for you. And I think this church was similar in that regard as well. Um, so how comforting that would have been to the church at this time. Uh, and if you look in verse number three and four, it says, he continues on saying, I'm praying for you and remembering without ceasing these things, your work of faith, labour of love, patience of hope, and also in the sight of God and our Father, knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God. So he continues by telling the church that, the fruit of their salvation, the outworkings of their decision to follow Christ have not gone unnoticed. That the Apostle Paul remembers these things. Like when he was spending time with them, he remembers that they had this, you know, the things he mentioned there, work of faith, labour of love, patience of hope. So he's encouraging them that not only did he see them with his own eyes, but look what it says at the end of verse 3, in the sight of God and our Father. So he's encouraging them that not only did I and the people with me see what the Lord was doing in your, in your life and how you were outworking your salvation, but it was also seen in the sight of God the Father, that he is the one who, who identifies what you do in secret and what you do in public, that he's the one that sees every action and every word and every prayer that you make and all the things that you're doing to serve him, he sees all of that. So the Apostle Paul is saying, you know, God, God himself sees all you've done. Uh, but he doesn't say that in a way that 
I mean, if you're a parent, just give me an amen. If you've done this, you know, God sees everything you do, little Johnny. Like, he doesn't say it in a way to scare them or put fear into them, like, oh, I better make sure I'm doing the right thing. He's saying, no, it's, it's a good thing that God sees everything you're doing because I don't see everything you're doing. I'm over in Athens or I'm over in Corinth right now and I, I can't see what you're doing. But I have seen stuff, but God still sees everything that I don't see. And uh, that's a good thing. That's an encouragement because it makes it worth it. It's, it's not in vain. Your labour is not in vain in the Lord because the one who matters most is the one who sees the most. So they, should, they, they would have been very grateful for hearing that coming from the Apostle Paul himself. So when you're seeking to encourage or comfort someone, it's always good to bring things back to the heart of God. So God sees all these things. Well, then, if you're trying to encourage someone in a difficult time, then mention that to them. You know what? God saw what you did for that person, and that was a good thing, and that was you know biblical, scriptural, it was helpful, whatever it is, like... Bring it back to what God can see because, you know, we can only go so far. We can only give so much encouragement, but God is the one who has, you know, that he trumps all of that. So bring it back to what God sees and, and, and remind people that it's, we're not just doing it for man's praise. We're doing it for God's praise. We're doing it for his glory. So continue in that. And that, that will help someone who's going through a difficult time and thinking maybe what I'm doing is not really doing anything. Maybe nobody's noticing. Maybe God's not even noticing. And you can bring them back to scriptures where, you, you know, it says that God sees all things. That he looks on the heart, doesn't look on the outward. All these kind of things, you can bring it back to that. Um, so Paul continues to do this and flick down to verse number five. And it says this, For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance, as you know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. And this verse, he's reminding them that the change that has been taken place in their lives, so coming from darkness to, to light, the miraculous change in them is not just powerful in nature, but it's spiritual in nature. Because it says, you know, it came not only in power, but in the Holy Ghost. But the thing that has changed inside of you now, the reason that you are different people is because you have the power of the Holy Ghost, that you have something spiritual, something bigger than you. And that's always encouraging for somebody who is a bit discouraged that, you know, we can get the blinkers on and think that our world is just this big. But when you step back and see that, oh, there's a bigger picture out there and it's in, you know, God's involved in that and God's involved in my life, then that just picks you up a little bit, gives you, gives you a freshness, gives you a good spirit. Uh, and I think Paul's just, you know, showing this to them that God is the one who's powering everything that you're doing. He's behind everything that you're doing. And... Um, you know, it's comforting when someone points out that you've changed for the better, but it's even more comforting when you point out that that change has come from a mighty, powerful God and that there's no limit to his power. And so these are the things that just continue, just push people on a little bit further, help people to keep going a little bit more. Um, I was talking with one of our young people just a couple of weeks ago about the things in their life that, you know, I think God has given them as talents and abilities and uh, I mentioned one in particular and I said, you really have a talent in this area and they, they identified that. Not that they were like, yeah, I know, but <laughs> they identified that they did have a talent in that area and I just said to them, I really do believe, this is just me saying this, I, I believe God's given that to you for you to use that for his glory. And when I said that to him, it was kind of like the first time he'd even thought about that 
that that could be possible, that this was given to him to give glory to God, not just to use for his own pleasure or for someone else's pleasure. So it just made him sit up a little bit and, you know, not puff his chest out or anything, but it just made him go, oh, yeah, actually, that sounds like a really good thing to do, that I could use this thing for God. And so just bringing it back to how you can encourage someone in the Lord is a very simple way of lifting someone's spirits when they're maybe a little bit discouraged or distracted by things. So I think Paul does that here uh, with you know, encouraging them that it's all spiritual in nature and it's powerful. Uh, and then just look down in verse number 6 and he says this, And you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost. And Paul reminds them that they weren't just following men, they were following the Lord. So they were following Paul's example as a man, but by following Paul's example, they were following the Lord. Because Paul himself says, you know, be a follower of me and you're a follower of Christ, as I'm a follower of Christ. So he's just putting them in that, I guess, bigger picture that, yes, we, you had us in, our, in your midst, but that was all of the Lord. So as you were following us, you're doing something really good because you're following the Lord as well. You're following our example of the Lord. Um, and, and Paul would later instruct the Corinthian church also to be your followers of me as I am also of Christ. Um, so that was just something that, that Paul continued to instruct and, and encourage in different people. And you know what's really refreshing about when God changes someone's life? Is when that changed life through God's power becomes a testimony for God. So it's one thing just to have your life changed, but when people see, oh, that was because of God's power, that was because of God's doing and God's working, then that just gives God more glory. And that just that should encourage that person just to keep going on and saying, yeah, as a Christian, I want to glorify God more. So when that changed life turns into a testimony for God, and then the next step is when that testimony for God turns into a godly example for others. And that's where this first chapter kind of changes direction a little bit. He's encouraging them in the things that they've done and that God sees everything, it's by God's power. This is hopefully encouraging them and, and lifting their spirits. And then he turns it a little bit into, and you know what? You are now an example for other people. So you are not just the, the little baby Christian. You might be a little baby Christian, but you're also being an example to other believers, and that's worth a lot in God's eyes because you're having an impact and influence for more people. So if you have a look, uh, he commends the example of the church in verse 7, and, and he, goes, he says this, so that you were in samples, which really just means an inward example, uh, to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. So he encourages them that other believers are learning from them. Now, you tell me, it's pretty, it's pretty encouraging when someone says, hey, you're doing a really good job, and you've actually influenced somebody else to do a really good job too. You've actually paved the way for somebody else to you know, give more glory to God. That, that makes you feel good because isn't that why we're here? To give God more glory, to bring him glory with everything we do. So if we can encourage and be an example to someone else to do the same, then I think we've done a good job in doing that. You know, our job's not finished, but if it's not just about us giving glory. We want to see other people give glory. I want to see my kids give glory through following my example and my wife's example. Uh, I want to see people in the church here, whether it's young people or whatever, I want to see them be able to give God more glory through following an example in my life. And that's not me trying to be proud or anything. It's just 
I want to give God glory, and if that can show someone else how to do it, then I think God's pleased with that. So that's, that's what he's trying to encourage in the church here is, hey, people are looking at you and seeing that you're an example, just like you were looking at us and seeing that we're an example to you. So he commends their example. And uh, verse 8, if you just look there, he mentions uh, that the word of the Lord sounded out from them, not just locally but to many places. So, so people were hearing and seeing what they were doing and it was having an impact in their lives. And this was just a young church. Uh, young Christians and so they were having a great impact around people around them because people could see their Christianity living out practically before their eyes it wasn't a hide my Christianity hide it away kind of thing they spread it abroad people knew about it Uh, and Paul was encouraging them in that because that was a good thing to do so they took the godly example they witnessed and they perpetuated it themselves and really that's that's what we should be doing we should be looking around us at who are godly people in our lives and how can we learn from them? Because, I mean, like I said, whenever it was a week and a half ago, we can look at scriptures, we can look at stories from people in the Bible and, and want to be like them and do things like them that bring glory to God. But there's people in our midst that we can do that too as well. We can learn from and be an examples uh, under and uh, that's a good thing for us to do. So they didn't just turn from idols, this church, and sat around doing nothing. They turned from idols, it says, verse 9, that people saw the change. They no longer worshipped idols, but verse 9 says that they served the living and true God. So they didn't just receive salvation and uh, do, do a few good things and then just sit around and twiddle their thumbs. No, they actually were proactive in serving the living and the true God. And that made people sit up and, and see, hey, what's going on here? And that gave influence and had, had impact on many people's lives. Um, and verse 10, finally... Read this, and it says, And to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. And this shows, Paul is saying here, that they lived in expectation, believing God's promise that Christ would return. So they were an example to many other people, but also it was like they were the people that when you looked at them, you go, hey, they're the ones that are waiting for Jesus Christ to come back. They're the ones that are holding on to his promises. They're the ones that are actually doing something. They're living, serving the true God. Uh, And that would have been a real great encouragement to them. And uh, encouraging someone in what they've done well goes a lot further than you might think. Sometimes even just a simple pat on the shoulder. Like, I mean, the Bible talks about, you know, you can use your words for good. uh, But even just a touch, a pat on the shoulder can give someone some encouragement and can just give them a bit of support and... uh, I think sometimes we probably downplay how much that actually does have an impact in people's lives. Um, I wasn't going to mention this, but I think it, I think it just fits. Um, the other week, Danny and I, well, Danny and Jen and a couple other people did a 10-kilometre race or a run, um, and it was a timed run, and we were aiming for a certain time. So Danny was my, you know, my pacer. He was basically running at the pace I needed to, to catch up with to get the time that I wanted. So it was 10 kilometres. I'd only done a couple of them before, um, but not at the time that I was aiming for. And so I'm running along, and they had stations along the way, because it was a big event. There's lots of people there. They had stations along the way where people would give uh, water as you're running along, or really they just had encouragement stations. There's people clapping, you know, you know, calling out, good job, well done, all this kind of stuff. So you had like a, a label that had your name and your, your number and everything on it. 
Um, so these people didn't know us from Embarra Soap, and I didn't know them from Embarra Soap. Uh, some of them were like dressed up in fancy costumes and you know, curly wigs and all this kind of stuff, just having fun. But what I found, because I usually run by myself when I'm just you know, running through the week, I just run by myself, earphones in my ear, don't worry about anything else except if a car's going to hit me. Um, but I was running along and all these people are cheering and they're calling out our names because they're, they're just reading it off our front. They don't know who we are. They're like, go, Daniel, go, Andrew, good job, keep going, keep it up. And just hearing my name called just helped me to just keep going, just go, yep, just keep going, just keep doing it. So I was already purposed that I, I want to get this time, but just having someone clap and call out my name just helped me to just, yeah, just gave me a little boost of energy. And obviously, you know, they're handing out water and that helps and that's a, that's a practical thing to help somebody. Uh, to, to, you know, comfort somebody, physical needs that they have. But just the fact that they called out your name, it was just such an encouragement. And Dan, Danny's nodding his head. Um, it's true. It's so simple. And sometimes it's the simple things that we probably neglect that brings comfort to people. Um, but Paul did all these things. He, he basically listed all the things that he knew would be a help and a comfort to them. And I'm sure that he had faced times that someone else had been a comfort to him at some stage, um, he would have felt that himself and gone, you know what, I can do this for somebody else as well. Um, so for most of this first chapter, really this whole first chapter, uh, we've seen how the Apostle Paul has purposely sought to comfort this church by the different things, you know, their position in Christ and the fact that he continued to pray for them uh, and their example. But this letter might have been sent from the Apostle Paul one way, like he sent it to them and they, and they read it, they received it. Um, but I think it reveals within itself very much a two-way relationship of comfort because he's, he spent a lot of time comforting them. Uh, but the apostle who's writing this is someone who is comforted by all the things that he's just mentioned that he's seen in the church. So he, he, he's, he's mentioned all these things that would be a comfort to them, but all of these things he's mentioned is actually a comfort to himself. And if you just look over quickly, this is the last place we'll look at in chapter 3 verses 6 to 8, this is what he writes. Because remember, Paul was taken away from them uh, and he wanted to know how they were going. So verse number 6, chapter 3, it says, But now when Timotheus came from you unto us, because he was giving a report, and brought us good tidings of your faith and charity and that you have good remembrance of us always, desiring greatly to see us as we also to see you. Verse 7, Therefore, brethren, we were comforted over you in all our affliction and distress by your faith. Verse 8, for now we live if ye stand fast in the Lord. So he's expressing to them, and I know that's later on, but he's expressing to them that all of these things I've tried to encourage you by and give you comfort by, they've actually, that report came back to me and that comforted me. And it actually says, you know, through their, their distress and their affliction, it's kind of like it was helping through all of that. It helped us through that difficult time, knowing that you were steadfast, you were strong, and, and the things that we imparted to you, you were following those examples, that comforted us. So there's this two-way street of comfort. Uh, when you bring comfort to somebody else, that can also bring you comfort knowing that they have gone on to do good things for the Lord. So it's investing in people, keeping them in your heart, and the Lord blesses with comfort in return because you've, you've done what you can do to comfort somebody else. And that's, that's a really you know, practical thing that we can do is just try and seek out how we can be 
a comfort to somebody else. It may be a physical thing, it may be a spiritual thing. Um, but you, you might not be the Apostle Paul. Well, I know you're not, but if you're, if you're a parent or a teacher of some sort, uh, maybe you're discipling someone or maybe you just want to be a godly friend to somebody else, it's really comforting when the one that you're investing in takes what you've, you know, you've shown them and you've worked with them through and then they can end up using that practically and then they can bring glory to God through that. It's a real comfort saying, ah, the things that I invested, they're taking that and using it. Uh, they're not just you know, throwing it away, disregarding it. And that's going to happen sometimes. But when you see it taken on for the Lord, then that brings us comfort back. And that's a good thing. Um, and surprisingly, like Paul says there in chapter 3, it can even overcome affliction and distresses. That's pretty powerful because afflictions and distresses can be pretty powerful and pretty discouraging. So Paul displays through this that when he invested in someone or even in a group of people like this church, he didn't just preach to them and leave them. Uh, he purposed to keep them in his heart and comfort them using what he had. And really, it was really mostly just words on a page. But it came from his heart and it was true, it was real and it meant a whole lot because he sought to understand those people. And uh, that's a major part of trying to comfort someone is, is having their heart and understanding them spending time with them and getting to know what their fears are and what their discouragements are and, and then seeking the Lord's help and how you can be a comfort and a help to them. So something that we can learn from and working with and investing in others, particularly newer Christians as well. Uh, so I pray that's a blessing and a help. And uh, I know that studying this book has been a, a real good help for me just understanding all of this too. So uh, praise the Lord for that. Appreciate the opportunity to speak tonight and I'll just pray and then hand it over. To pastor. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you once again for all that you've given us and done for us. Thank you for the example in your word that we can see how we can help other people and comfort them and uh, do that by ministering through your Holy Spirit, Lord God. I do pray that you would use us for your glory, help us to set an example for those around us, help us to be sensitive, Lord, to the needs of others and I pray that we could be used greatly for your service. We thank you and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.